0: Episode two of our stint in the double digits is here. Episode 11 of the Glass of Joe podcast with my good friend, PJ Glasser. I'm Joe and PJ, this is week one of having all of the sports full swing, full tilt to talk about. Last week, we were watching uh, some, some NBA scrimmages, and yep. we, were, we were looking at the early stages of the NHL, but now we finally have everything all at once, once again, MLB. NHL, NBA. Football training camps are starting. We don't really have much to talk about football-wise today just because everything is kind of getting going there. We're seeing the protocols kick in. But the focus is is on the NHL and the NBA because they are at the ends of their seasons. MLB, a sixth of the way through, which is crazy to say. Yeah, already. But, you never, but, but the other ones, we're, we're there. We're at the end and we'll kick off with the NHL uh, we've seen some great hockey in, in the first couple of games of these opening series. Um, as we're recording this, the Islanders are going for their sweep. The yep. Hurricanes got their sweep last night. I, I mean, I tried this little, this little playoff beard. I see that.
1: I was going to comment. You got your playoff beard going. And, Me? and, and you, you, would know.
0: Think, you would think as the Rangers fan, I would shave it now. But I'm not going to. And here's why. Number one, first and foremost. Well, you want your like,
1: Lafreniere, boy. Was that? I said you want your Alex Lafayette boy.
0: Well, that's I'm pronouncing of it. that right. That's, you're not. I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to try it either. Um, I'm, it's partly that. Uh, a bigger component is I'm lazy and don't want to shave. Fair enough. Also, I have to wear a mask all day at work. So nobody sees it anyway to make fun of it. And third is that from being in D.C. and covering and working with the Capitals, I am just hereby migrating this over to being a Capitals beard now uh so, so well that's that, what i was
1: gonna say i haven't started my beard yet because the capitals aren't in the stanley cup playoffs quite yet they're still playing for their seating so once that gets going then I, you know i might start growing it out a it's, a, bit. it's a very
0: sorry excuse i have been growing this since july 13th the girlfriend okay, can't so, get
1: mad at you because you
0: can't get mad at me because you know she's that's your in another part of the country right now and right. i'm not gonna see her until uh until the beginning of november so okay, she can't do ready. anything about it and yeah I wear a mask. I'm lazy. And I'm going to just justify it by saying it's now a hope for Alexis Lafreniere and watch the Washington Capitals beard. And
1: a a lot of the players too. You know, It's funny seeing all them uh, clean shaven so far. There are guys that have their beards, but a bunch of them are clean shaven and hoping for that deep playoff run in September and October.
0: Yes. And for all these years that we've made fun of Sidney Crosby's few little whiskers that he tries to to grow. Right. I think we finally have one that tops it. There are plenty if you go through that, that aren't great, but Capo Caco's attempt. Okay, first of all, he's 19 years old. Let's cut him some slack. He probably hasn't even fully hit puberty. That's <laughs> yeah. what I
1: was going to say.
0: But, he but, can't get a drink. It was, it was barely peach fuzz, and at least early on for Crosby, like the peach fuzz was brown slash black because he's got a darker hair color, but right. the finish very fair complexion and blonde hair of Kako Kako. It was blonde peach fuzz, so I only ever saw it once when they did a close-up of him on the bench. So he's got to work on that as time goes on. But it was a great experience for the Rangers to at least have a taste. The Hurricanes, I mean, they... Proved that last year wasn't a fluke. I never. Joe, thought I was. tell you
1: right now, if you're the Caps, Bruins, Lightning, or Flyers, that is the last team you were hoping to play. Mm-hmm. I think going into this, everybody was wanting to avoid the four seed, so you didn't get Pittsburgh. Right now, it's all about avoiding Carolina because, I mean, just all three levels, offense, defense, goaltending, they look fantastic. And, and for anybody
0: who thought that some teams might take the play-ins a little less seriously because it's not playoffs yet, they're going to take it seriously because getting seed one or seed two means you avoid Pittsburgh and Carolina. Right. So and Boston important. better
1: turn it around quickly because their first two games, if there are any indication of what they're going to look like, they're going to be out
0: quick, man.
1: And that's what and we were talking about. picked
0: right up where they left off, too.
1: They have. And that's what we were talking about with the Bruins and how they were going to run away with the President's Cup trophy and... Obviously, they couldn't control the coronavirus, but you just wondered how that long layoff would affect them. And two games in, they have clearly not looked like the Boston Bruins we have seen all season. And if they don't beat the Capitals or at least tie them, um, if they lose to the Capitals, they're automatically in that four hole and yep. going to be playing Pittsburgh or Carolina. And they might and have – Carolina,
0: to just to finish up on them before we go through the other series, they made the Eastern Conference Finals for a reason last year. Some people thought it was fluky. Some people were in the school of thought. This is just the beginning, the rumblings of of this team being really good. And it's certainly the latter. Svechnikov, Aho are tremendous, and they just lit the Rangers up. Uh, The goaltending was a bit of a surprise. Again, small sample size, three games, but they rotated Morozik and Reimer all year. We saw them do it now on the back-to-back between games two and three with Reimer coming in to game three started shaky then made some highlight reel saves a save that might hold up to be the save of the playoffs as we go on mm. it was that great the stick save in that uh Ford so they are clicking on all cylinders right now Rod Brindamore is such a good coach and he was such a good he player does. but he is such a good coach he's proven that already just a couple years into the job in Carolina team to watch out for everybody was you know, Dark Horse, the Rangers yep. upsetting them. Dark Horse, uh, uh, whoever comes out of the, uh, the Toronto-Columbus series. But the, the real Dark Horse we should be watching is Carolina. Everybody kind of wrote them off against the Rangers, me included. Maybe some homerism there. Actually, certainly some homerism there. But they can go again on a run here. They have all the pieces to do. It.
1: No question. Rob Brindamore, to me, if you want a comparison across another sport, I almost see him as the NHL's Mike Vrabel, like former player. You see that very He's good got comparison. that, like, intense players coach. His teams resemble the kind of player he was. But I'm with you, man. Carolina looks really, really dangerous. You talk about the other series in the East. You mentioned Islanders, Panthers a little bit. Islanders going for that sweep. That was one of your best bets, that was The that was. Islanders sweeping the Panthers, and they got one of those games again that they want to play. It's 1-1 as we head into the third period. So if you're an Islanders fan, you got to think you got the Panthers right where you want them.
0: And, yes, apologies to anybody listening to this. Like, this was our slot where we had to record it right. uh, with our schedules. So it's we don't have a, a conclusion to the series for you right now. We'll probably have it maybe a couple hours after we get off. But other yep. duties call. So. Uh, up two zero 0 in the series tied 1-1 right now um but in the history of the nhl uh it, it, when they've had five game series only one team has ever come back from 2-0 down mm. to win a series and th- this is going back 30 years when sure. they have this but still only ever one team has come back from 2 nothing down so whether the islanders pull this one out or not uh safe to bet that they're going to pull through. So, so far, one for one on my best hockey bet, because I did say minus 120 on the Islanders series, but yep. then the added bonus was take them for the sweep. That's still to be determined, but uh, it just, it, it struck me as a, a bad matchup for the Panthers, two teams that kind of stumbled into the hiatus going in opposite directions. And I didn't think the Panthers were really going to come out all that secure, sound, ready to go. A team that probably would benefit from, getting that 12.5% chance in the lottery. Although I was joking with one of my friends at work, um, if the Blackhawks go on to lose to the Oilers, if the Maple Leafs go on to lose to the Blue Jackets, and the Blackhawks, Maple Leafs, Rangers, now you're just looking at the Canadians against the Penguins, you could have four original six teams in this lottery. in In which case, the reality of it would be Four teams with a 25% chance and four teams with a 0% chance because you know damn well one of the original sixteen is going to win the lottery if there's four teams in it.
1: Probably Toronto too is how it would end up well, working. Toronto out.
0: or Montreal. They'll probably give it to one of the Canadian yeah, teams, exactly. especially because he is from just outside that area. So uh, but- something to watch for.
2: Joe, why
1: why I love playoff hockey is that those two series, the Islanders could end up in a sweep, but the other six, we're all getting at least a game four. And that's what's Uh so great about it. NBA every year, you usually get three or four sweeps in the first round. Playoff hockey, maybe one, rarely two. And this is seven-game series, and you're on a five-game series. And at most, we're getting two.
0: And here's the thing. It's very rare to get a sweep in hockey. And it's so unpredictable that last year, our sweep, was the Blue Jackets as an eight-seed sweeping a historically great regular season team in the Jeez. Tampa Bay Lightning who tied the wins record. So you never know, and that's for next week's discussion once we have all those matchups set. Right. Uh, but just going down the line, I mean, Penguins-Canadians 1-1. Won, won. The Penguins have looked very much the better team through two games. Uh, the Canadians scrapped it out in game one, got the goal in overtime to win it. I fully expect that one to, to be a, a Penguins series going forward.
1: I agree. Um, game one was just your typical playoff hockey where the Penguins dominate, yeah. dominate. But just the rust. Couldn't score. And the Canadians just get, you know, that they've sent it to overtime, and all it takes is one goal and they won it. Penguins bounce back a little bit. Murray's been playing well for them in net. Yes. And like you said, I mean, they got some older veteran guys. Might take them a little bit to get going. But they realize it's a five-game series. They know they have to win tonight. I, you can't go down two one and try and win two elimination games, I think mm-hmm. they'll take care of business likely win this in four.
0: And and similar in for me at least, the way I look at the Oilers Blackhawk series. Blackhawks, good veteran team, came out and just lit up the Oilers yeah. back line in game one. And then the Oilers come right back and McDavid just puts the team on his back and that scores goal he and, was and, the oh stupidest my God. thing I've ever seen. That was that was probably the filthiest goal i've seen in my life i mean the if you watch the iso cam version of that that was fu- they've got one iso cam following each yeah. star because they have the extra cameras in arena the iso cam version of that he's just kind of skating circles in the zone waiting for that bouncing puck to break free he hits down the bouncing puck to himself picks up speed blows by two guys and the the slot that he found over Crawford's shoulder to put that puck was maybe no bigger than the puck itself. And he just, like it was nothing, just chipped it up over there. It was ridiculous. And and to cap it off with a hat trick, loved that the employees in the arena actually ran down to the glass and threw some hats on the ice. That was a lot of fun to see. That was. Um, But same thing there, like the Penguins series, fully expect the Oilers to come out, win game two, put the pressure on the Blackhawks. I'm not as confident now anymore in the Oilers as I am the Penguins because uh, the Blackhawks – with Kane, Taves, they've got a great championship pedigree. I think degree. the Blackhawks be could, beat them. I, think I could be, beat them. I wouldn't be stunned if the Blackhawks did it in the way that I would be stunned if the Canadians did it. Correct. But I, I do feel very confident in the Oilers coming through this, especially after the goaltending switch uh, from Smith to Koskinen. I think that gives them a little boost, and, and you saw that in, in game too. Um, so I still like those teams to come through it. The, now, the other series, though, complete coin flips. These were the series that we viewed as complete coin flips before the postseason started, and they still have proven to be that. And that would be Predators, Coyotes, Wild Canucks, and Blue Jackets, Leafs, all knotted up at one. The Flames went up two to one on the Jets yesterday. It's been a good series there. Uh, but those other ones that are all knotted up at one Canucks, Wild, Fred's, Coyotes, Leafs, Blue Jackets, I have really no inclination either way in those.
1: yeah that I mean just quick to touch on the Flames and the Jets that'd be another great series but the Jets two best players A and Shifley are hurt so that unfortunately hurts them so the Flames should win that one you look at the other three though Wild Canucks to me is probably the biggest coin flip I, I mean take your pick on that one I truly don't know who's gonna win The Predators and the Coyotes, I mean the Coyotes got off to such a good start this season, stumbled into the hiatus, and it was good to see them play well in game one. But like you Coyotes got
0: absolutely blitzed in game two.
1: You talked about the playoff experience the Blackhawks and the Penguins have. Predators have the same thing. They were in the Mm -hmm. Stanley Cup not too long ago. They have a bunch of those guys still on the team. So I think you know they kind of calmed down the troops, settled down in game two. They should win that one over the coyotes. Columbus and the Leafs,
0: though, is such a good matchup. Because the Leafs went 90 minutes until they scored their first goal. The a- and, I don't, and I don't think there's a episode.
1: better D pair than Jones and Wierenski. I mean, you know hockey better than I do, but <laughs> just watching those two, I'm like, well, there, well, there the, can't the, be a better pair than those two.
0: The D pairs on the Lightning are pretty much top to bottom better, and that's why, like we were talking about with Joe Beninati back in Episode 3, they walk off the bus and you can see they're just better than sure. everybody else.
2: And sure. that's why they're
0: the pick to win it. But they're up there as well for some of the best d pairs, and Jonas Corposalo has been tremendous yeah, he's been in net for the Blue Jackets. He has stolen goals from from the Leafs, and uh, it's gonna they're gonna continue to be a tough nut to crack. That's true of any John Tortorella coach team, and we're seeing it. Um, I, I want to lean the Blue Jackets just I because of their, just because I trust again Tortorella in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But the second half of that. Game two, the Leafs came alive. They got the couple goals, and they went on to win. Scary, scary moment with Jake Muzzin going down on a weird, awkward collision that didn't look so bad at the beginning. And then when you slow it down, you look like the, you can see the way his head and neck kind of bent. So very scary to see that. You wonder how that affects the Leafs. Uh, does it weigh on them where morale goes down? Is it a rallying thing for them? Uh, that's to be determined, obviously. Because again, in a sport with so much emotion like hockey, those things add up. I, I go back to 2014 when the Rangers made it to the Stanley Cup final. I I feel bad saying it like this, but if Marty St. Louis' mom did not pass away in the middle of that series, I don't know that the Rangers would have come back because after that, in the very next game, the Rangers were a totally different team. They were down three one against the Penguins, and then on Mother's Day, Game Five, and St. Louis scores in the first ten minutes. Like that's just movie theater stuff that you can't make up and that that sprung them on that stanley cup run so in a game like this with so much emotion you wonder where their psyche is after seeing the muzzin thing we won't know until game three uh but i i do lean slightly to columbus just because of how they're constructed you talk about teams constructed to do well in the regular season versus the postseason they're built for postseason success with tortorella uh, so i do lean columbus
1: Leafs got a lot of firepower, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, but Columbus, they just match up well with them. Like you said, they're built better for the playoffs, and there's so much pressure on Toronto. And I think they feel that even, you know, playing on their home ice, even though there are no fans, I mean, you know, maybe there is something to playing at home that puts a little more pressure on you as well. But to me, that's the series I'm I'm most intrigued by to see who wins that one. That'll be a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, the Eastern Conference matchups when the round robin teams come to play—you know, the Islanders, Hurricanes, likely the Penguins—and then either Toronto or Columbus is going to be fantastic. Oh, oh those, it's going to be great matchups.
0: The Western That's Conference not as much, but the Eastern Conference the East, yes. And be and excellent. before we before we transition to some NBA talk here, something to keep in mind—you know—while I'm kind of you know riding my little hot streak of of my best bet pick for the Islanders, yeah. uh, another thing to watch for as the postseason goes on, if you like a team on the series price, but you, it's not great value, wh- just wait and see what happens in game one. And if they lose game one, jump on it. I, I mean, it's called gambling for a reason. You're going to have to take a chance at some point, right. and And you're taking the chance on a team that's already down a game in the series. But the Penguins were heavy favorites in their series against the Canadians. Didn't want to touch that series price. Oilers were Solid favorites against the Blackhawks. Didn't want to touch that series price. And then uh, Canucks and Wild. Canucks were slight favorites, but I wasn't entirely sure. They all lost game one. After that, the Penguins, Oilers, and Canucks all went to plus money. Great value. You can't pass that up. I hit all three, and then they all come back and win game two. Mm -hmm. So now they're big, heavy favorites in the series again. But you capitalize on getting them at plus money after the game one loss. So something to keep an eye on as the postseason goes along for hockey. You know, next round, if you really like the capitals against uh the Hurricanes and the caps are, you know, minus one eighty, so you're not sure about the value, wait and see. If the Canes come out and win game one and now all of a sudden the caps are plus one twenty, hit it. I mean, just don't be discouraged by them being down a game. Like that's a way to bet that value is
1: regular hockey too, when a team's favored in of a game like the Penguins were against the Canadians in Game One, big favorites. The Canadians score the first goal. The live in-game odds totally change. Oh yeah, and then you can jump on them to win the game live. So that's totally a way to bet hockey. And it's and it's, it's, it's kind so of much weight
0: It's so much chancier and flukier for in-game. But when it comes to a series price like that, yeah. is for me that's the best way to go about a series price. Unless you you know for the Blue Jackets Maple Leafs, the Blue Jackets were plus one hundred and fifty underdogs. Like if you like that take that uh right away and and if you if you're talking about bigger amounts of money which i am not i'm putting like (laughs) 10 bucks on this stuff Um, but if you're if you're someone who's talking about putting thousand dollars plus on a series that's one where you you hit up the blue jackets after they win game one now the leafs are on plus money you put the same money on them and now you're guaranteed profit either way because you, you got both teams at the same plus money so very good. Uh, a lot positive. of different little sneaky things to kind of keep an eye on for value's sake when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs like that. And in the NBA, uh, I wouldn't do that as much because
1: NBA the, is impossible. NBA I mean, the Nets impossible. won yeah. yesterday, and they were 19-point underdogs. Yeah. So I got to tell you, the Bucks. I'm a little concerned. I still think they're going to win the East, but man, I look at how Toronto's looking, and Miami's been pretty good. Boston is what we thought they Boston would. was good. But, man, Toronto, just the way they play defense, I mean, Chris Miller told us he liked them, even without Kawhi, just because of their makeup, how they're coached, the way they play team basketball, team defense, and Milwaukee's got to figure this thing out a little bit. I, I mean... They
0: do. Look, yesterday's take yesterday's performance against the Nets with a grain of salt, because... Giannis and Middleton didn't play the second half. They used it as a a resting day. I don't know that I agree with their decision to rest because you're playing the Nets, You're 19-point favorites, and your magic number to clinch the one seed was one. That's a game where you put everybody out there, go all out, and beat them by 30 to make sure you're the one seed. But instead, they rest in the second half, which made no sense to me. I don't know if they're banking on the Raptors losing one more game or they'll find a win somewhere, but their schedule's tough coming up. The schedule is tough coming up to. So, again, in all likelihood, they're still going to be the one seed. But you had the Nets. You were 20-point favorites. And you were so much better than they are if you play all your guys the whole game. They should have. I disagree with what they did. They should have this just was put their, the one seed there.
1: This was their Citadel game, you know? I yes, mean, they exactly. went from playing all these big boys and they got a cupcake and they didn't take advantage of it. But I gotta tell you, Phoenix, good for them, man. They really beat good. Dallas and the Clippers back to back. Booker shot yesterday was incredible. I mean, that, that was big time. And that eight seed in the West or the nine seed's really heating up. Even the eight seed too, because Memphis Especially
0: with Jaron Jackson going down for Memphis. Yes,
1: yes, slipping. You know, Portland has looked pretty good. They got the win last night against Houston. The West is just it's so good. It's we, gonna we be really a lot of fun. We really thought the gap between the Lakers and the Clippers was, was a lot. And I still think those two I still think meeting is. in the conference final, but you know, Houston's look good. Utah's had their moments. OKC looks pretty good. Dallas can score with anybody. So, I mean, look, they there's call teams,
0: up- there's teams in the West that can take the Lakers and Clippers to a game five or six, maybe, maybe on your best day, one out of 10 times you take them to a game seven, but, those teams are much better than the rest. Yeah,
1: they are. And, uh, you know, they call it the wild, wild west for a reason because they all score a lot and Uh it's competitive out there. The East, though, you know, the Magic losing Jonathan Isaac was a tough blow. How about the Pacers? I told you I like them. They get Oladipo back, which we didn't know. And then T.J. Warren is just like a totally new guy. 53 points in his first game. Um, I think he scored like 117 in his first three games. Indiana, I mean
0: When we first went through our NBA projections, I soured on Indiana because I didn't we didn't think old D P was playing at the time. But now that he's playing, my tune changes on them a little bit where you do have to kind of watch out for them being sneaky and and giving some of the top teams some trouble as you go along. But but I think what we said with Chris Miller still rings true. Maybe a couple of cracks in the Bucks foundation, but there's still one the Raptors look great. Are a very solid two. Yeah. The Celtics are a very solid three. And your mixed bag of the Celtics Heat at four and five. It, so far, the East has held true to form.
1: They have, yeah. I mean, Heat Sixers and Pacers four, five, six, kind of a toss up. The Wizards, you know, two of their first three games were against the Suns and the Nets. They needed to win those. They have yeah. I can't see them forcing that playing game. So I think the East is set. I think the Nets will get the Bucks. Orlando as the seven will get the two in Toronto and then we'll see how three, four and five and six play itself mm-hmm. out. But I got to say both leagues, NHL, NBA, phenomenal job presenting
2: mm, the games
1: yes. on TV. I remember you saying in the NHL, when we were talking to Bob Lobel, our guest coming up, about how smart they were to put those big scoreboards around the lower bowl seating. So you don't, don't have those awkward, you know, big openings in the stadium. NBA, it almost looks like a video
0: game. The NBA,
1: the layout, and it's been—they've really done a great job. Yes, and we're at
0: three to one Panthers now, by the way, in the last couple of minutes. So still early in the third period. So, so my long shot (laughs) bonus bet from last week of an Islanders sweep is looking uh, more grim, but but still. Again, fifty-eight and one, I believe, was the mark, or fifty-six and one. It was fifty something and one was the record for NHL teams in a five game series when they take a two-nothing lead. So still looking yeah. good on the Islanders. Uh, the sweep unlikely to happen though now. So, yeah,
1: I don't I don't know if the Panthers are gonna come back and win that series. Don't think so. We'll see. Great to have the NBA and NHL back, as we mentioned. Where would you go, Joe? Coming up a little later on. We finally have live sports yes. where I can ask you where you would go. So we're looking forward to that. We're also looking forward to everybody hearing our next guest, Boston legendary sportscaster Bob Lobel talking Patriots, Bruins, Red Sox, everything Boston, and a whole bunch more coming up. Pleased to be joined this week by Boston sportscasting legend Bob Lobel. Bob, how's everything going? How are you navigating these crazy times we're living
2: in? Well, just like everybody else, you know, it's every day's an adjustment and, uh, just crazy times, starting sports, and you almost wish that baseball uh, never got started. At least if you're in Boston right now. But <laughs> uh, you know, I hope it continues. I, I understand everybody has to start. Everybody's got to try. All the leagues have to absolutely try to play, and whether it works out or not remains to be seen. But they have to try uh, to make it happen, uh, and we'll see what happens. In some cases, it doesn't look good, but I am you know, I can't uh, predict what's going to happen like anybody else, so who knows?
1: Right. Well, you had a perfect segue. I was going to ask you about the Sox right off the bat, and they've gotten off to this slow start. It's only a well, 60-game sprint this season, so they got to turn around pretty quickly. Do you think they can?
2: No, I don't think they can. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're built for it. I don't think they expected to. It may be the first team in history to lose 100 games in a 60 game
1: season.
2: <laughs> I just, I just, I don't think they expected to win. I just don't, you know, I guess lightning can strike and miracles can happen. And, but, you know, they were not, they clearly were not ready to play and they clearly were not ready to compete. And that's, I, I suppose that's fine because we don't know if the season's going to be one week longer than it is right now or or actually finish up but I have my doubts I think they had to absolutely start and try but I really don't think it's um it's gonna it's gonna finish to tell you the truth but that well wait I hope I'm wrong well we'll see
0: yeah I'm totally with you on that I felt the same way I felt they should have started but not the most confidence that it's going to finish i'm a mets fan so sorry i know we're beating up on your no,
2: that's right as you know what <laughs> but yeah, i'm an orioles fan
1: so we both got you the first couple uh, we both played <laughs> I, you
2: the first couple i years. know but then we're going back down to new york to take them play the mets and the yankees i don't even want to think about it yeah <laughs> but, if that happens if it even happens who exactly, knows what that's, what's
0: that's exactly what i was going to say i i found myself watching that th- these last two games the last couple nights and i couldn't even get excited at the mets doing really well because I just don't know if there's going to be right. a payoff in the end. It might be two more weeks, so I, I, right. until we get over a certain hump, I really
2: can't even get totally excited for it but i totally I, I totally get it i don't, I don't know what you guys think about. It. everybody's got different opinions about the cardboard cutouts, about the no fans, about the piped in uh you know excitement and everything else. It's different, so it's it is different year. It's a different year
0: it just not doesn't,
2: doesn't feel right, but I guess we can get used to
0: anything if we want to see him play yeah now, under normal circumstances, Fenway Park, one of the best venues to watch a baseball game in the United States. what is your favorite thing about the ballpark itself?
2: well, I, well, I love the green monster seats that's my favorite thing uh, you know I don't know why they it took so long to figure out that that's where they needed to put seats but to me, sitting in the green monster and i when they first came in, I bought a couple of season tickets with another guy and and we split them for uh to sit there, and it, it, to me, it was the best place to watch uh, a sporting event ever. It just was interactive. It was like a video game. It was like you're in the game. It's seriously. Uh, I just had never experienced anything like that, and it, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing in batting practice. We used to do our sports cast out there in center field around the Green Monster at 6 and 11 during batting practice, and I had to have somebody stand behind me with a glove just in case. You did you know, ever get a ball
1: out there? Hit out?
2: There got, did I ever get a ball? I got plenty of balls. <laughs> Seriously, no. I used. I used. I, I. was just talking to my daughter last week about it, and she was in in elementary school. when I brought her there, and uh, one night we came away with eight or ten baseballs, wow. just from things that were hit up there, and she was chasing her around looking for them, and. We gave them away to kids and everything else, but it was still, a matter, you know, it was just the, the idea of getting a ball in batting practice was, was, you know, I'm still the fan, still pretty cool. Sure.
0: And, of course, that's the fan aspect of it. But now putting on your sports broadcasting legend of Boston hat, what was it like to be able to cover that '04 4 team uh, and, and basically have a front, front row seat to the curse being broken?
2: It was, uh, it was remarkable, actually. It was uh, – I'm not sure which was my favorite, whether it was '04. – or 2013 when they they the bombing year, mm-hmm. when they won after the marathon bombings uh you know four was special and different and you know, you're not going to forget the you know, cowboy up and millar and dave roberts and bill miller and just things that happened that you know being down winning four straight from the yankees and Damon's grand slam, just stuff that I, you know, you can't ever forget or nor want to forget. Uh, and I can actually remember uh, standing outside of St. Louis because we had to do 11 o'clock newscast and uh, we had to go out to the truck out, which was outside of St. Louis. This was in the fourth game of the world series when they beat the Yankees and went on to play the Cardinals and, And one and four straight, but I can actually remember saying, you know, you know, and at the top of the newscast, and I I said, I never thought I'd ever get to say it, but the Red Sox who just won the world series. It was amazing. (laughs) It was pretty amazing, especially after, you know, going through what we went through with the Mets in 86 and Buckner and all that stuff. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs)
1: moving over from uh, baseball to football now Bob and Tom Brady you probably knew eventually he wouldn't be the quarterback for the Patriots but did you ever think that he would never suit up for did you ever think he would suit up for another team besides New England
2: well you know what that was I'm just glad it was over it was kind of a ridiculous thing every day you know what he would ask well what has Brady done today has he done anything during that whole time when you know he was making up his mind and It was, you know, fairly obvious he wasn't coming back. I mean, I didn't think anybody that paid any attention to what was going on. uh, Just, but when it finally happened, it was, it was a shock. I mean, it still was a shock. I mean, he lost Brady and Mookie Betts in the same year. Think about (laughs) it. I mean, this, this town is, you know, we've had a lot of great success, but we've also had our our times of, of failure too. No, the answer to your question is I guess we never thought he would ever leave, Uh, and we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see. There's a distinct possibility, probably an even greater possibility, that the National Football League will never play it this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how that's That's possible. I don't have any clue how that's going to work out. But anyway, you know, they got to they got to do what they have to do. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And then to have Cam Newton come here. And figure out who's going to start Newton or Stidham. I still think it's Stidham's job to lose.
0: But oh, that, anyway, you, that, you, we that, could
2: tell that you're you're a pro <laughs> in this business for decades because
0: yes. that was going to be what we what we went into next. The, what were you expecting out of the Cam and Stidham debate? If there is a camp, if there is a season,
2: I have. I know my grandson lives in Burlington, Vermont, and goes to Wake Forest, and he's up. He's you know at home with his parents in Burlington, Vermont, and he texted me. Uh, the day that they got Newton and I did not I did not know it and he said what are the patriots going to do with Cam Newton now and I had no idea what he was talking about so I just had to call him up and find out what do you know that I don't know and he just told me what he knew that I didn't know and that you know cuz I hadn't just been paying attention to the news that day and they got Newton and you know I, I it's a no brainer I mean why not dick it gives him a different look uh but I still think Stidham's their guy if they're gonna if they're gonna play, but well, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not. You know what? Who knows? Right. I mean, I think Newton's got to prove he can play. I mean, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't played in a long time, and I think you know, as great a player as he was when he was playing, he just he's been hurt. So we'll see. Big question mark there, but one thing
0: that's not a question mark is that the Brady Belichick dynamic is probably the greatest of all time. And now there's obviously the eternal debate. Was it more Belichick? Was it more know, Brady? I, I, you personally, where do you fall on that fence? Do you think it was equal parts, both, more Bill? More they could both, hey,
2: we, we talk about this stuff all the time. They both could have bad seasons. They both could go in the tank this year and, mm-hmm. you know, for no fault of their own without each other. And people will say, well, they really needed each other if, if that happens. Well, that's not necessarily true. I think Belichick and uh, Josh McDaniels, and I think they just put – Brady in a position where he wasn't going to fail. They didn't ask him to do things that he couldn't do. And Belichick has a whole history of quarterbacks and putting them in a position where they don't fail. I mean, when it was Kosar versus testaverdi in in Cleveland, Testaverdi was his guy because he could control him and put him in a position not where he didn't fail. So I I just think that from that standpoint, I think Belichick had a bigger imprint on Brady's success. Now, Hey, granted, Brady was great in terms of tempo, in terms of smarts. He's like having a head coach on the field. He was great at controlling the tempo of the game. It's one of the things that not a lot of people don't talk about. He just controlled the tempo of the game. He was a great clock manager even play to by play forget the two minute drill but play by play he could manage the clock and control his team's tempo and I think that was you know really important Uh, so he he did his share Belichick did his share by putting him in a position where to and ask him to do things that he really wasn't good at so it it was good for both of them and that's a I guess that's not the answer you wanted to hear, but <laughs> that, I, that that works. <laughs> I know. I, my feeling is that Belichick probably had a bigger effect because it all starts with with the head coach. Like if he, if Brady had played for somebody else that did put him in, ask him to do things that he couldn't do. Then I think he would have gotten himself into trouble. So, but that's. Now, that's, have you ever had the chance
0: to sit down and talk with either of them? And if, And if so, uh, what from your conversations with them has kind of stuck out to you the most over the years?
2: Well, you know, Belichick was always, you know, Tom's a good player. Tom's, you know, we're lucky to have him. Uh, you know, we were lucky to get him. And we're, when we got him in the sixth round or whatever that deal was, and, uh, you know, he, he turned out to be, you know, he's a great competitor. You know, he that's about all he'd say. That's about it. He just wouldn't go any further than that, and and he wouldn't put him ahead of the team. Uh Brady, on the other hand, would say, yeah, I love the guy. The guy's been great. He's great to play for. So Brady was much more emotional about his relationship with Belichick than Belichick ever was about his relationship with Brady. But that's just the nature of each, one, each individual. Um, uh, yeah. You I know, like, I think there are have, guys like Adam Vinatieri that had – uh, as big an impact on this team and success than, than anybody else. You know, yeah. so anyway. nobody and nobody ever talks about the defense either. I mean that the
0: first three championships in four years, yeah, I mean Bruce, Ty Seymour, Ty Law, Seymour, right, right, Ty Law right. all those guys.
1: They were really good. Bob, you know, they were
0: they absolutely were. I
1: want to ask you a Bruins question and they were so dominant during the regular season um before the pandemic hit. How concerned are the people of Boston about this restart, and if they'll look like that same dominant team we saw all the regular season?
2: You know, I—it's hard to find a more rabid fan base than the Bruins fan base. They're, they're crazy. They're <laughs> just—they're just into it. Um, but they've been pretty silent, believe it or not. I mean, they've been—you know—the the usual. Uh, Group that you know stands out and has something to say but because I don't think they know what to expect I don't think they know what to expect from Tuukka Rask I don't think they've ever totally believed in Tukarask. Rask I think he's got a you know good reputation but I don't think he's Jerry Cheevers or he's you know uh, I just think he's always been a question mark and uh, now he's got a broken finger so I, I don't know I think but and I think they just worry about whether they can succeed by playing all their games in Toronto and, or I don't I, I, there's so many questions and, and, yeah, there is. and very few answers to any of them. So if I was, if I were a Bruins fan, I don't know that there's any way that you can project what you saw at the beginning of the regular season when they had to quit and picking it up. Now, I, I just, I just don't see how you can connect those dots. From from then to now, because it's all so different. And I right. think they
0: were at a disadvantage too. I mean, I know the league had to figure out a way to to figure out the top four seeds, but I don't think it would have been an issue if they would have said, "All right, we'll play this round robin for the top four seeds." But the Bruins are automatically the number one. They were going to run away with the President's yeah, Trophy. It wasn't going to
2: even be close. Yeah, well, they were having a pretty good year. I, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Right. right? It was. Uh, it was pretty cool. I, I just, I don't know. It's. Everything everything changed, and uh I think the fans are just going to look – it's like playing a tournament. The fans are just going to have to, you know, figure – own up to it and, and see what happens. As you know, things things can change when you have a, a, a small number of games deciding, you know, who's going to stay in and who's going to get out, and, and you're just going to have to take it game by game. But I, I'm anxious to – you know what? I, I just was, I really miss the fans. I don't care. You can play in Toronto all you want to you play on any ice sheet that you want in any city, but unless you get in front of your home fans, it's a big difference. And I think, especially in hockey, when it's such an emotional sport, yeah, yeah. I think I think hockey gets its draws more from its fans than you know emotion than any other any of the other sports.
1: It's a great point. Um, you talked a little bit about Brady, obviously moving on, Mookie Betts moving on. Do you kind of see now at Jason Tatum, is he the face of Boston sports, do you think now because he's so young, so talented? He is right
2: now. Well, he is right now. And I think, you know, I think people are starting to realize, you got you to gotta recognize the Celtics, this is a different game. This is not "This is not your father's NBA or your grandfather's NBA. This is a different – and you, if you ever saw – if you saw the the uh, last dance. Yeah. Uh, which was fantastic. We had to do a podcast with another sportscaster in Boston, and we interviewed the director of The Last Dance, uh, who is from the Boston area, and, and he was great. And uh, it reminded you how what kind of a league it was. It was a league of superstars back then between Reggie Miller and Jordan and Bird and McHale and you know Isaiah Thomas and just superstars, individuals. Now, of course, you guys, guys can throw in three pointers. It's a whole different, you know. Not that that's not a great talent, because it's an unbelievable talent. But it's not the talent that made the NBA. It's not, it's not the fast break talent. It's either either you shoot a three or you or you dunk it. It's one of the two. There's right. nothing in between. So it's it's different, and I think the fans are making that adjustment. I, I don't think they can. I mean, they can blindly root for a home team. And, and call it basketball, but it's not the same kind of basketball that it, that it once was. And I whether Tatum becomes a face of, of Boston sports, I don't know. I get I gotta tell you one thing, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, why can't we get players like that when a player is moved away? It's like if you watch Mookie Betts play and, and let's say, you know, legs out a double and then you can say in the highlights, when you show in the highlights, you say, why can't we get players like that? And it happens a lot to to a lot of franchises now, but especially in Boston, it always had. But seeing Mookie Betts in a Dodger uniform, that was tough. That was really uh, painful. And I really – I blame the ownership, honestly. I believe that they could have signed him. uh, And for them, after they did, they went out and pretty much badmouthed the Dodger contract with Mookie Betts, which is the stupidest thing they could possibly do because they could have – made the same deal. I'm, okay, I'll give you gave me one quick theory, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> this is about ownership, that ownership of teams, they, they go in stages. Um, the first stage is when they come in and they really want to win. They really want to demonstrate to their fan base, we're here for the long haul, we're here for you, we're here to give you a team that's going to win. And uh, so they do everything they can to make that happen. Then they, then after they've managed to win, once, twice, doesn't matter, once is enough, pretty much, uh, they go into this middle period of trying to figure out where they want to go with this ownership. And then they go to the, into the third phase, which is make as much money as you can, as fast as you can, and then get out. So it's, it's pretty much a shelf life. And I think the Red Sox ownership is pretty much live their shelf life here in Boston. Not, to, not that they're going to sell or anything else, but I think in terms of this is pretty much what you're going to get from now on. I just don't think they're motivated. They get too many other things going. They're, the Red Sox are part of the, what they call the Fenway Sports Group. You know, right now, Liverpool is your hot item in the Fenway yeah, Sports Group. I'm a group.
0: Liverpool fan, so. <laughs> there you go.
2: Well, you know what, You know what? Uh, that's done. Liverpool's that's done for that area. Yep. I mean, clearly, so Liverpool's a big deal, and then they, then they got their NASCAR, and then they got LeBron James marketing. So it's so the Red Sox are just right now a small piece of their Fenway Sports Group. So when when they first came in here, they were the owners of the Red Sox. Then they then all this other stuff happened. Okay, I'll shut up. That was <laughs> yeah, you that was appreciate- awesome.
0: You're preaching sure to the choir here because I'm a Mets fan. I'm just counting down the days until the Wilpons sell, whether it's the A-Rod group, the Stephen Cohen group. I'm just counting down the days at this point. Right.
2: I mean, at some point you get to the point where, you know, make as much money as you can as quickly as you can and get out. And I'll see you later.
1: And to That's your Mookie point, you know, being an Orioles fan, when I saw Machado in a Dodgers uniform. There
2: was, you go. Okay. You know, you tough. Go.
1: So I know what you mean by Mookie. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that was that was tough. Now, last question for you before we get into our our two final segments that we like to send away all of our guests with. Boston has been spoiled uh, for the last couple of decades, but with each team at their peak, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, ranking them from most beloved to least, what's the pecking order in that city? I've never lived in Boston, but I've always been curious to know
2: how do they kind of rank those teams essentially? What a great question. We talk about that, too. And uh, it's a great question. And I think it changes, of course, with the one that's winning. But overall, let's let's just take it overall. Uh, I'd have to say this is this is like the same generational town. They're just not one generation. This is not like Kansas City or Denver. Or Houston, or, or LA, people have grown up in three or four generations here—grandfathers, great-grandfathers. So this is that kind of town. So there's a these things are embedded. The Red, the Patriots, were the last team on the face of the planet here in Boston. Uh, yet they probably be, have become the most popular team because the NFL has become the most popular sport. So I think you got to give them credit for that because they're taken up in the whole NFL wave of what it's become. Every game's important the games on television, they're marketed, they're made for television. They don't go four hours like baseball is pretty done to destroy itself. Uh, so, and plus with the fact that the, the Patriots run with Brady and the Super Bowls. Uh, over since since 2001, since they first won their first one uh, against the Rams, they probably have been the most popular team. Now that at the same time, the Red Sox won their first in 2004 for since you know since in 86 years, and then they've won three more. So okay. The the bombing year in two thousand and thirteen was a really important one, but after that it's been pretty ho hum. You know, it's it's like okay, we've expected them, they've gone on, and we've won our we've we've won what we needed to win to get the curse off our backs, and now we're just kind of gliding. in. Uh, but the, so I'd have to say, in all honesty, for a generation. And family. the The Red Sox have had a much bigger impact in this town. Uh, the Patriots have a have had a much greater impact over the last two decades. Uh, the Bruins can explode, and the fan base is always there, and but it's not as big a fan base. Uh, and the Celtics. You know, when they won their championships, when they were the the dynasty that they were with Bill Russell, there wasn't the TV coverage. There wasn't the, you know, the immediacy, immediacy. You had to be a fan to go to the games. You weren't a passive fan, you know, to watch the games. So that's in my short, my answer was much longer than you wanted. (laughs) But I have to explain it. These are, you know, these are all embedded teams that are embedded and they own, they have their own fan bases not to say that there's not groups that you know carry over you can be a Red Sox fan and a Patriots fan and a South and a Brisbane you can be all those things but they have their own fan bases and I'd have to say right now the Patriots have been the ones to rule yeah
0: that's that's really great in-depth answer I mean I've always wondered like all right being a New York sports fan we have like eight teams because there's multiple I got teams it. No, I got here, so it. I, I tough, know that's but, right. But here it's four, and all four have been crazy successful the last two three decades. Well, so. that's
2: right. But you have to remember, before that crazy successful, was crazy disaster. Yes. You know, seriously, whether it was whether it was Buckner, whether it was uh, well, you name it. Um, it was a disaster. You you know you can go right back to the Super Bowl when they played the Bears and the the Patriots lost, you know, forty five to three or whatever whatever it was. Who, who can remember? So that now there there've been a fair amount of di- of disasters leading up to all the successes. So don't don't say we've been that. <laughs> We've been cursed, but we also have been blessed
0: lately. That's for sure. I hope there's that same light at the end of the tunnel for me, being a Mets, Jets, Rangers fan as well. So well, I, I, I mean,
2: you got to be a Ranger. I don't know how you can combine combine those. I don't know what Yankee fans are like. I mean, I know what they're like. I just don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what the soul. I don't. I don't know where their soul exists. I, know I don't know what. if it does. <laughs> I mean, I can understand Ranger fans versus Islander fans and Devil fans. Uh, I can understand. I I, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to hard to too much to choose from. Too many things going on down there.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot. Right.
2: So that's that.
0: Yep. Uh, Speaking of many things to choose from the segment we love to do with our guests, we call it the Swift seven. It's seven rapid fire questions. Just first (laughs) thing that comes to your mind, go for it. I'll start it off. Number one, favorite Boston athlete. Carlton Fisk. Number two, favorite sports movie.
2: Well, cuz Fever Pitch cuz I was in it. <laughs> oh, <okay>. oh, nice.
0: <laughs> right. Did not did not know that. I might have to go check it no, out. No, okay. It would, <laughs> it would
2: you know, it it would be eight men out, eight men out would be my favorite. Where surprise. are
0: where
1: are you in Fever Pitch? Are you towards the end when they're in St. Louis?
2: I'm towards the end when I no, it's a it, I'm on the set announcing, "Okay, this is what you this is what you've asked for. It's the Yankees Red Sox 7th game." That kind. Of, it was one of those. Uh, that's awesome. Oh, that's the Yeah. All right. Uh, number three, DH in both <laughs> leagues or abolish the DH? I would say
0: abolish the DH. Agreed. Number four, got to be a Bobby Orr question. His dive in the 1970 Cup final, is that the most iconic image in Boston sports history to you?
2: One of two. Carlton Fisk home run. Raven back. it, yep. Right. I got a great story with Fisk and Orr, but that's a different story. It's another story for another time, but not in this segment. <laughs>
1: Beautiful. Uh, number five, Bob, where's your favorite place to eat in Boston?
2: guess regina's
1: pizza okay i i assume you've been to mike's pastries before to have a cannoli. of
2: course i know mike i knew mike really well before he passed away and i used to hang out in his kitchen oh, believe okay. it or not nice pastry, of course
1: one of my favorite places I've i had know, know but
2: it's not, i don't think all desserts all the time is what you meant by eating but no that's no
1: right. right no the restaurant the pizza was a no good mike's
2: industry. pastry I, of course forgive me
1: so good so good uh favorite Boston, a sporting event you've ever attended
2: Wow, well, I'd have to say the Super Bowl in uh, in New Orleans when they beat the Rams and they win their first Super Bowl. And okay. And after, then la- after 9/11, right after 9/11. Okay.
1: And then last question the Swift 7, what's just your favorite sport to watch?
2: I would say it is uh, pro football because it's a short thing and it's, <laughs> you know, it's the every game means means more than the other games.
1: All right, and Bob, uh, how about Playoff
2: is- hockey, besides playoff hockey. Playoff hockey, playoff. yes. And I so love
1: playoff. the setup.
0: I don't know if you've seen it yet, um, but I saw yesterday the setup of the arenas in, in Toronto and Edmonton. I love what they did. They, they, mean- they enclosed the – they put like a wall sort of thing and a video board in the lower bowl so it blocks out the rest of the arena. So instead of this big cavernous atmosphere, it's a very small, intimate – like, you feel like you're right on the ice. It's really cool. I can't wait tomorrow. They start tomorrow, right? Uh, they start the scrimmages today. Yeah, right. August 1st. August
2: 1st know, right. right, right. The, and uh, NBA starts tomorrow, right. Oh, okay, yes, okay, NBA okay, starts tomorrow. Okay, right,
1: okay. So, Bob, last thing we got for you, we give all our guests a trivia question, okay? So, of okay. course, we gave you one kind of Boston-centric a little bit. You'll have uh, 90 seconds and three strikes to try and answer it. So, your question is, there are six cities – in the Eastern time zone with all four major sports teams. Boston is one of them with the Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, and Celtics. So of the other five cities in the Eastern time zone with all four major sports teams, if you can give us four of the five, then we will give it to you.
2: Uh, New York, of course. Uh, New York
1: is one, correct?
2: Uh, I would say Philadelphia.
1: Philadelphia is two.
2: You're talking about the Eastern time zones, right? Eastern time zones, correct, yes. Uh, with all four major sports?
1: hmm
2: uh, Okay. How about uh, – come on, Bob. <laughs> That's pathetic. <laughs> um,
0: you still got a minute left, plenty of time. Atlanta.
1: Uh, not Atlanta, oh.
2: just three. What don't they have? Hockey? Hockey, yep. Thrashers yeah, are gone. Oh, they had the flames. They moved okay, they moved. <laughs> right. Sorry, stupid Bob. Good. <laughs> uh okay, so I gotta go to Florida. So I guess I guess Miami, right? Miami is, one. is three, correct.
0: So you we got know, another 35 got. seconds. You got 35, 35 yeah. seconds, two strikes to work with, and you only gotta get one more.
2: Come on, we'll we you can do this. Don't because I'm gonna come on. I can't combine Cleveland and Columbus, can I? He yeah, cannot. <laughs> okay, come on, stop it. Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh, Penguins are on the basketball team. Uh, 10 on. seconds. Okay, come on, don't put this pressure on me. <laughs> All right, wait a minute, hold on. New Jersey. Not no. New Jersey. One, Not three, right. we have one
1: more quick answer.
0: If you got one more, you got one more strike to work with. If you have one more guess, we'll give it to you. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. All right. Give up. What is it? Uh, the other two were D.C. and the tough one's Detroit. Not because teams. Oh, my God. To come teams,
2: on. But well, I wouldn't get this you're time, gonna zone. time zone. Exactly. I <laughs> I, no, exactly. I not have said that. I was, I was out looking at Chicago and I said, no, that's no, but that's central time zone. Detroit. So that's a time zone question.
1: Miami yeah. was the good one, though. Miami, I, you know, the Panthers, you just don't associate them right. with. The yeah, right. I was Panthers.
2: in the that good was question that's a good one that's a, a very good good job that
1: was a good one bob i mean we we appreciate you spending the time and giving some of us your your boston knowledge it was awesome well, from app, it.
2: It strike out i want to consider this interview a failure now after that class. <laughs> no it was incredible i mean well, that's right york- you, you guys are great thanks love. I, I Thank so really it so much thanks as a new
0: york as a new york fan the Boston teams have tormented mine for plenty of years, so it's great you know, to hear from
2: the, from the victor's <laughs> perspective. <laughs> well, you've gotten, you've given it back a few times, too. So, um, Of course. All right, good luck to you guys. You sound great. Thanks. Thank, Thank you so you much. Bob, take Best the luck day. to you as well. Stay safe. Thanks.
1: That was the great Bob Lobel, kind enough to join us. Joe, I love when We were asking him questions. You could see he was such a seasoned pro because he knew where we were going to transition exactly. to, and he jumped the gun. But I thought it was funny right off the top. We were going to ask him about the Red Sox, and we're like, "You think they can turn it around?" He's like, "Absolutely not." Absolutely
0: not. <laughs> and
1: I mean, they're three and eight, so we we knew coming in, their pitching was obviously going to be their downfall. They have such a good offense. You wondered if that could carry them, but playing in that AL, the answer
0: so far has been no. <laughs> the answer has, so far it, it has, has been, been no. no.
1: It doesn't and, help and, either when you play the Yankees and they got swept by them, but, uh, you know. They were
0: able to steal a couple from the Mets. Uh, so two of their wins coming against that Mets bullpen are, you know, they can't play the Mets bullpen every time. So right. they're 3-8 and eight and it's not looking great for them. And and it's, it's really true what he said, unfortunately. I never – you think about ownership being cyclical, but the way he laid it out like that, that was the first time that I had ever heard anybody – lay it out so specifically like that and it's something that he's been able to see a couple times manifest itself in boston where you got owners that want to come in when then they kind of tread water and then they're like yeah i just want to make money and i'm going to sell again and the fenway sports group that's kind of where they're at right now they they've won their championship with the red Sox, they've made their money but the red Sox aren't really their cash cow anymore it's liverpool it's a hundred percent liverpool Uh, They won the Champions League. They won the Premier League. They just signed a deal with Nike and released for the first time all of their new Nike gear, which I was online in an online Q4 on Saturday. Didn't buy anything, though, because I looked at it and was like, you know what, Um, what we've seen with this global pandemic, do I need to spend this money on a a windbreaker that I like from Nike for Liverpool? The answer is no. Uh, So I I, I showed some self-restraint. But it's just not – their focus anymore. And, and it's showing itself. It's why they got rid of Mookie bets. It's why they're cutting costs in, in some places for, on the payroll and why they're trying to kind of build up from the back, from the, the ground up again, yeah. they have had their success and they're content yeah. with it. And now they're making their money and, and it might be in the best interest for them to be selling it for, for the best interest of the, the team to be selling soon. Now my heart doesn't bleed for uh, any Boston fans who have seen like 20 championships Absolutely in the last 20 yeah. years. So yeah. uh, to Bob and, and any other Boston sports fan, I'm sorry. I don't really feel bad for you, but you're looking at a Red Sox team. Like you said, that's, that's in flux and, and there could be some changes coming and and this year, again, it's a, it's a weird shortened season, but maybe the first manifestation of that, a team that's probably going to be lucky to get to 24 wins the way we've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, if even, if even. So now you're going to start seeing maybe some some outcry from the city, from fans, uh, within the organization, and things maybe change.
1: The city is not really used to losing big stars. No. I mean, especially with the Red Sox. So I think that Mookie trade really, that took its toll on the city a little bit. They definitely knew it would be an uphill climb to challenge with the Yankees this year, but... Those Boston fans, I mean, that city, they expect to contend for titles in every sport every year. It's why they've been so successful, because their city is so demanding of greatness. Um, but, yeah, those Yankees, they're 8-1 and one right now, <laughs> Incredible. Joe, I just want you to know that I've bet on the Yankees one time this year, and it was that one game that they lost. So I'm just going to keep betting away. on them. You know, yeah. I might bet on them again to see if they lose again. And Let what me happens. know what you
0: do so I can – Get the plus money on the team they're playing against. <laughs> there you go.
1: And, uh, but, I mean. It, it's uh, just... Aaron
0: Judge powering the way, man. I mean, he, he's going to have like a, he might end up having a normal looking home run total in a 60-game season. I know. He very well might. He has six homers already through nine games. And he's, he had 27 last year, 27 the year before. Injury-shortened season, only played 112 and 102. At his current pace, like, he's going to be close to that mark in a 60-game season. And
1: Stanton's Uh, getting healthy for him. He looks good. Lemayhu is just – I mean, when you talk about a professional hitter, he's great. Um, Glaber is injured now, and he hasn't been too good for them, but he'll be back, and you got to figure he'll turn it around. And some of their other hitters, like Gary Sanchez, really hasn't gotten going. Luke Voigt hasn't gotten going.
0: The the thing with them is they are so insulated – from having slumps affect them because they have so many bats that even if four guys are slumping, there's five guys up there mauling. And when those five guys slump, the other four guys are going to be mauling. So it's just – it's just one guy after another with them, and the pitching has been good, and Garrett Cole hasn't even kicked it up into his dominant self yet, but he's still been getting the wins and pitching really well, and Gary Sanchez, the criticism on him has always been his defense, and yesterday Garrett Cole comes out and praises how great of a game Gary Sanchez called for him, so that's got to make Yankee fans happy that maybe he's coming around behind the plate. Uh, Everything is pointing in a great direction for the Yankees right now, and really the only thing that unfortunately seems like it can slow them down is the virus itself. As long as they stay healthy and as long as the league itself doesn't shut down, there's no slowing down on the horizon for this team. They are just mowing teams down right now. And there's no reason to believe that that's going to change. We always knew coming into the year, them and the Dodgers, two best teams. And for the Yankees, sky's the limit if they all stay healthy. And so far the health is there and they are showing that they are head and shoulders above the NL East and AL East teams they've been playing against.
1: They've really, really been good. Quick shout out to my Orioles, Joe. I gotta I know. tell you, nine games in, didn't think we'd have five wins, let alone sweep in Tampa. That was now we we itself. do have
0: to come back down to earth a little bit because you lost four nothing last night to a Marlins. Well, team I was just gonna ha- ha- say a four nothing loss to a Marlins team that had like sixteen spare parts. If you look at their transaction uh, list from yesterday it looks like uh, a shopping list for someone preparing for the apocalypse. Like there are like 25 entries on that thing and it's crazy to look at. And they came out with a four, nothing shutout. Well, their pictures
1: were well rested. I mean, you know, the guys haven't had to throw for two weeks. So that's, that's my defense. No, what I'll say is, in typical Orioles fashion, they'll sweep Tampa, which nobody saw coming, and then they'll get swept by the Marlins, which yes. probably is what's probably going to
0: happen. Hey, the Marlins aren't slowing down right now either. They all, Joe, they are in first place in the NLEs. How about those
1: line. NLE standings? I gotta say, the Marlins team—they got a nice mix of, especially in their lineup, of veterans and young bats. Jesus Aguilar, they whatever they Valle, can find, and it's DeLar,
0: <laughs> it's yeah. working they're, it's I mean, not gonna work for long I mean they played they played four games and they're three and one they and have gonna, they have they're, but they're, they're better regress.
1: they're better than I thought than I thought they were I mean I don't yes. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs they they're might not
0: gonna I make the playoffs know. PJ but, PJ they're not gonna make the playoffs don't joke. fool yourself into thinking that right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't know baseball is funny <laughs> like that did you think the Orioles would be five and four nine games
0: in I, no but like they could start fine because they have professionals on the team. The Marlins are just a, a hodgepodge of spare part minor leaguers from the taxi squad. They played four games. Well, this is your script
1: for Major League Three, right here. Yeah, is it's so. Marlins' team?
0: I guess so. We'll see what. That's no, but the NLE change.
1: standings is incredible. You have the Braves the at eight and four, the Marlins at three and one, the Nats at four and four, the Phillies at one and three, one and, three. and then the Mets at four and.
0: And so much could change now, too, because Mike Soroka goes down with that freak-torn Achilles hopping off the mound yes. to get a slow roller. Um, yep. So I, who knows what's going to happen in that division now. And it might still kind of hold true to form, what we thought as the, this sample size gets larger. Right now, that division has been topsy-turvy. Uh, one division that has kind of pretty much gone to form for the most part. Um Right is the, the very, very putrid AL Central with the Twins on top at nine and two, uh, then the, followed by the White Sox. I will say, while it's holding to form, uh, I am surprised that the Tigers are 500. I'm not surprised that the Indians are 500. They're a good team. And the Royals bringing up the Raider at three and nine again. Everybody sure. saw kind of this division stacking up the way it stacked up. Very I got the White
1: Sox, though, six in a row. I mean, they were one and four. We talked about how yeah. potent their lineup had a chance of being, and now all their young stars are playing really, really well. Minnesota, I mean, after the Yankees and the Astros on paper, they were definitely the third best team. Oh, yeah. With the addition of Donaldson, they're playing like it. They look great. Um, and then the AL West, really interesting I still look at the Angels at four and seven, and I'm like, their lineup is just now that Trout's good. back from paternity leave. Um, you know, him and Rendon, that's some two, three. We'll see if they can get going here. Houston, obviously, the Verlander news hurt them a little bit. Um, but I still. It's expect still a tough it team. I mean, those, those guys.
0: Now, those guys, Springer, Correa, Bregman, Altuve, they're not going to be hitting sub 200 for the whole season. They're starting off slow. Uh, maybe this is them without the banging in the trash can, I guess, but uh, well, they're heck of, heck of uh, a lineup that they've still got there. And those guys, while slumping early, they will come out of it and they'll do it in a big fashion and they're still six and four. So it's, you know, they're, they're still going to be what we thought they kind of were. And right. uh, it's just that, you know, we've maybe been a little bit surprised by the rest of the division being assault the be A's at seven and four. Um, the Mariners, we know, bringing up the reader. Same thing with the Rangers, but uh, that division something to keep an eye on with those two at the top. And then the NL West um, has been the surprise, really yes. good division so far in baseball. The Rockies, like the Rockies man. at eight and two, <laughs> the Dodgers at eight and four, and the Padres at seven and five. We always thought that the Padres could make some noise. Mm-hmm. Not much mention of the Rockies uh, early in the season, but they're on quite the run right now to be yeah. in the. They do have a ton of talent, so it should. They be do. The Story's Padres been great
1: first. for them. Arenado's rock solid. Daniel Murphy's good. I mean, anytime they have the lineup,
0: they have, have, the, lineup. Lineup. They have the altitude for home games. It's just we didn't always, think pitching the pitching. Yes. always pitching what they're pitching. Always pitching. Um, always. But they've they've managed to to get out of the gate really strong. And in a sixty game sprint, getting out of the gate strong is, is more than half the battle. So exactly they are right. In a very good spot right now. Uh, last week we talked about the stupidity of the Marlins before we transition into our our, our PGA talk here. I just want to highlight the stupidity of the Cardinals. Still not quite as dumb as the Marlins, holding a team meeting to decide whether or not they should play, but going to a casino. What are you doing, fellas? They went to a casino, and it leads to a team outbreak. I just, I don't know, man. It's just, do they want to play baseball or not? That's what
1: I'm saying. We talked about it last week. You would hope the unwritten rule during all this, all these commissioners and leagues can make all these rules to help, at the end of the day, it comes down to the players and whether or not they're smart. If you want to play baseball, stay home, stay in your hotel. Just prevent any human contact, you know, as much as you can. Going to the casino obviously doesn't help that. And because of it, they had a main outbreak, and they haven't been on the field in over a week. And now they sit in the middle of the NL, East, uh, NL Central standings at two and three. Yep. So, And Yachty is one of the guys who has Corona. We know. know how important he is to that team. So that's tough. but. Man, the Cubs, we talked about with the Cubs, David Ross was the question mark. You go from Joe Madden to David Ross, and being his first year as a manager, you just didn't know what to expect. 9-2 in your first 11, Joe, that is not too shabby. Not bad at all. The lineup's been great. Jason Hayward, Javi Baez, Rizzo, Chris Bryant, who's been in and out of the lineup a little bit, but their pitching's been very good. The Cubs, they still have a bunch of pitchers from that World Series team, Lester, Hendricks. Those guys have been really good. Um, yep. So they're definitely the favorites right now. You love the Reds coming into the season. They've been a little up and down. A little you can stumble out of the gates. Little stumble. Castellanos has been great for them. Yep. God, he's been really good. You see the talent though, like you said, they're starting pitching, their bullpen, their lineups been hit or miss. Um, so we'll we'll see. And we've what got happens two. With those.
0: We've got two very clear-cut front runners for the Cy Youngs out of the gates as well with Shane Bieber, Bieber. and Jacob Degrom. Yeah, those guys have already been unhittable. Uh, DeGrom, he's 1-0 because the Mets can't give him run support, but a 2.12 ERA strikeout numbers have been there for him in a way that maybe they really kind of haven't the past couple of years. 22 strikeouts to three walks. Um, last year, he ha- I take that back. He's had the strikeout numbers, but you never really looked at him and said, uh, I expect him to strike out 10 to a dozen guys every time he takes them out. It almost sort of happens by accident as the game goes along, but right. not known to be that Scherzer-like strikeout guy. And he took his game and kicked it up a notch. He's been hitting 100 more than he ever has. 22 strikeouts, three walks. He was pissed after an outing in which he had six innings, five hits, two earned, and 10 strikeouts. And he was mad. Like, that's scary for a guy to be mad after an outing like that. And then Shane Bieber as well on the other side. I mean, shutouts in his first two. He's 3-0 and with a point eight three ERA. Huh. He has been lights out for the Indians. Part of the reason why that they have started – somewhat strong six and six, but uh, a, a team that is going to be in the thick of it. He has 35 strikeouts to three walks. Is that so good? He has, he has been pretty incredible <laughs> out of the gate so far.
1: He has been good again. It's, it's nice to have baseball back. You hope that we'll see what happens with these doubleheaders, seven inning games. Yeah. We made our baseball predictions last week and didn't know about the expanded playoffs. So all these teams feel like that if they're at the 20, 25, 30 game mark and they're in the hunt, that they can definitely make it. And we'll see what happens. But, Joe, it's time now to talk a little golf. The segment I've been looking most forward to, if anybody needs me today when this episode drops on Thursday, I'll be on my couch all day. Coverage of the PGA Championship starts on ESPN Plus at 10 a.m., goes all the way through till ESPN on TV at 10 p.m. Joe that's 12 hours of
0: golf I mean 12 like, hours of golf PJ 41
1: thrilled, it's fantastic <laughs> I'm looking forward to it They're playing out at TPC Harding Park so you know only a few guys have played there. The last tournament I believe was 2009 and Tiger has said that the course is a whole lot different. They've shortened the fairways the rough is a lot taller so it's it's going to be real interesting. The two heavy favorites are Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka. And nobody's going to blame you if you take those two guys. Exactly. Thomas is uh, the best player in the world right now. He's number one. He's coming off a win. This course just fits him so well with how good of an iron player he is. And then Kepka. I mean, we know his track record in majors. He was a, got off to a slow start here in the restart, and then last week found his stride. And, again, because it's a major, he said this is a big boy course when he walked it. So when Brooks Kepke tells you it's a big boy course, you know it's a big boy course. Because the rough is so long, people feel that if he's wayward with his tee shot, he's so strong that he can still get it into the fairway, which will be a big help for him. But the keys this week from everything I've been hearing and watching, got to keep the ball in the fairway.
0: Yep, hit it long, hit it straight.
1: Hit it long, hit it straight. When you watch the golf on TV this week, if you haven't already, you'll see the trees at this golf golf course are so big. Normally on the PGA Tour, you know, you got these trees that you can kind of shoot around or what, none of that. I mean, it's like a bunker at the Open Championship where you're going to have to pitch out sideways. So guys that hit it straight, hit it long, will be popular picks this week. Kepkin Thomas among those. But Joe, are you taking those two guys?
0: Yes. I, there's, a couple <laughs> of, there's a couple of hard and fast rules I have when it comes to, to making picks. First of all, always pick Mike Trout for AL MVP. You might be wrong one year. You're going to be right the year after that. Plain and simple. And the other one is if it's the U S open or the PGA championship, you pick Brooks Kepka and you don't think twice about it. And that's, that's definitely what it's going to be here. Like we said, it's a course that suits him Hit long headed straight. Uh, he can get it to the greens from the rough. And it's, it's a course that suits him. Nobody has really a leg up in knowing the course. So he falls pretty much in line with everybody else there. Uh Tiger's going to be, a, uh, he's always a popular play sure. whenever you have this. And, he showed up there a week early to play an extra couple rounds to get used to the course. Um, so, so he's obviously in the back of your mind that plus 3,500 Kepka, you're not getting great odds. He's plus 1100, but when you are a two time defending PGA champion and you've won two out of the last uh, two three, in a row, you, well, two, two in a row. And then you've won two out of three U S opens. Right. Um, so the, the, he still has to break through the masters, but the U S based majors, he hasn't he's had the same it, success. Yeah. He hasn't had the same success at the open, but the U S best based majors. He's there all the time. Uh, even if he doesn't win, you know that you're going to be watching on Sunday with him in the top five and a chance to make a push. He's coming off of a second place performance last week. Looked great. I thought it was a mistake for him, um, going out last week and, and really pushing that knee. after He came out and complained about it and he looked fine and shut me up by coming in second and had a chance to win that on Sunday. So he's in good form after starting slow like you mentioned when with the restart he's only plus 1100 but again still 11 to 1 odds he's still the guy to beat at any major championship mike trout for mvp brooks kepka any us ba- us based major when we get to the episode about the us open same answer when we get to the episode about the masters same answer don't even bother asking me it's brooks kepka at a major in the us he i I set that and I forget it.
1: I mean, I'm not going to fault you for taking Kepka. <laughs> if I had to choose between the two of them, Thomas and Kepka, I'd lean Kepka to give people another golfer to maybe pick outside of those two. Who I think actually will win this week is Colin Morikawa for a couple of reasons. He got his second career win about a month ago at the Workday Charity Open, and another guy who this course fits him. He's so good with his irons. He hits it straight. He keeps it in play. But I love the fact that he played his college golf at Berkeley. So he's used to the Northern California, the thin air. None of that will phase him. And I I think that's a big advantage for him. Tiger and some of these other guys talked about how it's a little chilly. And as a golfer, you got to get used to that. So Morikawa knows that very well. Again, gun to my head, if I had to choose put money on somebody, it would be Kepka. But uh, outside of him, um, I think I'm leaning Morikawa. I think he's he's got a real good shot of winning this week, and we'll see what happens. It's great to have major championship golf. Back. Where do you think the
0: that. the score falls on Sunday?
1: So a lot of guys have been saying that anywhere from about 10 under to 12 under will probably win it. So I'm thinking right around 10 under should probably should Not probably right. win it. They think that the course conditions are pretty much going to be the same all week: chilly, windy. You know. Blue skies, gray skies. So I I think that ten under, right around there. It's a par seventy, there. only two par five So it's it's tough course.
0: And hey, if you're anywhere, if you're in any of the states where you can get access to FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, they are running a good offer. I'm giving them some free advertisement here, but it's to try <laughs> to help you some, try to help you win some money. If you're listening to this, uh, if you place a twenty five dollar or more money line pre tournament bet to win on any golfer. They're giving you, uh, I think it was $2 for every, yes, $2 for every birdie or better that they card up mm. to a $50 bonus. So if you throw your 25 on Kepka and he's right in the thick of things on Sunday, and he's got, you know, 12, because he'll have a bogey or so in there, obviously. You you, you figure in he's going to have, at, at the end of four rounds, you're figuring he'll have himself at least 12 to 15 birdies slash eagles. So right there, you're... two bucks a pop for every birdie or better on the card you're getting you're getting your money back on that $25 bet for him so you're essentially getting a you're essentially getting a free bet on Kepka at 11 to 1 odds with that with that bonus offer so if you're thinking it and you're in a state that has it and you want to put some money on the PGA championship whoever your guy is whoever your pick is that's an offer that you cannot pass up because you're with the score supposed to be around 10 to 12 under you're looking at the guys who were in contention getting themselves about a dozen birdies slash Eagles throughout the course of the four days, if not more. So you're getting your money back.
1: Very nice. Now, as we always do ends our podcast, where would you go Joe and trivia, but Joe this week for where would you go, Joe? We have live live sporting events. We do. So, of course, I got a golf for you, I got a basketball, I got a hockey, and I got a baseball, all right? So answer choice A, you want to attend round one of the PGA Championship. Answer choice B, Do you want to go to Lakers Rockets tonight. Answer choice C, Leafs Blue Jackets game three. Or answer choice D, baseball schedule a little weak tonight. The best game I thought of the night was Reds and Indians.
0: So I write off Reds and Indians – right away because sure. like you said it's kind of a week schedule yeah uh, Lakers Rockets I write off because you don't know what you're going to get out of the Lakers who already wrapped up the one seed they might come out and say the Rockets is are probably going to be an opponent that we see uh, early and we don't want to risk any injury against them show anything against them uh, so you might not get the real Lakers in that game uh, A&C tough call Leafs Blue Jackets it's it's our favorite series that we're watching in the Stanley Cup qualifiers, but mm-hmm. I, I got to go with it. first round of the first oh, round of absolutely year. Gotcha. It's got to be out there in Northern California. Got to be round one of the PGA at TPC Harding Park.
1: Love it. Yeah, I'm right with you. I was between the golf and, you know, the Leafs Blue Jackets. If it was a Stanley Cup final, that's a different story. But just a qualifier game opposed to a major championship, I'm rolling with golf as well. Joe, as always, that brings us to trivia. I lead it three to two and a half because yes. of last week. Um, so who would you like to go first?
0: It's your choice. you got the lead, man. That's You're not used true. to having the lead, I know. It's the first uh, time you've had a lead. It, lead. it is
1: the first time. <laughs> I, can give you, uh, I can give you my question first. Okay. All right. All right. So here we go. Here's your question. Hockey question for you. Okay. There are five current teams that have gone eight or more seasons without winning a
0: playoff series. Playoff Can you series. name
1: four of the five?
0: Four teams out of the five who have gone eight years, eight no or more. playoff series win.
1: Correct. Not I'm games, we're not,
0: series. I'm assuming we're – well, first of all, they've won a playoff series. Never mind. I was going to say something stupid. I was going to say we're disregarding the Knights because they haven't played eight years, but they have won many playoff series in (laughs) their two years anyway, so that was going to be a very stupid comment.
1: All right, Joe, your time starts now.
0: Go ahead. All right. Eight years or more haven't won a series. Okay, so the Coyotes had that odd magical run towards the uh, Western Conference Finals. It's not them. Um, Let's see. The Islanders have been in it. And they won, not they won a series last year. They lost then to the Hurricanes.
2: Twenty Cains, Obviously,
0: we know Bruins, Lightning, Flyers, all those teams. Check mark there. Um, eight years. The Florida Panthers.
1: They're the top with twenty-two seasons without a series okay. win. Gotcha.
0: Um, without eight years, no series win. Forty
1: seconds. You got fifty left.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Predators have done it. The Blue Jackets have done it. Mm. Eight years is a long time in hockey. There's so much parity internal. I didn't think anybody would really go this long. 30 seconds left. I mean, you got mm. all three of your strikes. So I know, I know. Um, give me the... Mm, I, I got no clue, man. This is a good question. Shoot, seconds. I didn't think that, that was even possible. Um, you, you stopped me. This is a great one. I didn't think that was even possible. Uh, eight years. Damn. I mean, can you that's...
1: believe the Panthers are twenty-two? Ten yeah. seconds left.
0: I'm, I'm taking a bad loss on this one. The, uh, the Senators have been there. Uh, the Oilers have been there. The, the Leafs have they won a series? The Leafs at the buzzer. So you got yeah. two. Yeah. So you got two of them. They were the top two.
1: Panthers twenty-two seasons. Leafs fourteen. The one I thought you would get is the Sabers thirteen seasons. Oh yes. Without that a was win. A and then the, t- the tough two ones, so I figured you'd get the top three, and then I could, wanted to see if you would get one of these two. Eight, the teams with eight or more are the Canucks and the Devils,
0: eight seasons without a series so I win. wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have gotten that. And the
1: Coyotes, who you were saying, seven seasons without a series win. Red Wings and Flyers, same
0: thing, seven seasons as So well. those teams I knew, because I I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking when the Canucks made their run to the cup. And the Devils lost to the Kings in the Cup, but that's shoot. That's been more than eight years now. That's crazy to think about. That was t- that was the it early by 2010s. By. Wow. Yeah. Those teams didn't even cross my mind because as I'm going as I'm going through in my mind, teams that have have made Cup runs. Yeah, 2012 the Devils were there. 2011 the Canucks were there. That you know what? I'm not even mad that I went through it without burning any strikes because there's no way I would have gotten that because it it stuck out in my mind that those teams were in the cup and it didn't even dawn on me that that that's been more than eight years.
1: The Panthers, I couldn't believe was that long. Toronto, honestly, same thing. The Sabres sounded about right. But, I mean, the Devils, Canucks.
0: I am a little disappointed that I didn't get the Sabres because one of my good friends is a Sabres fan, and I make fun of him all the time. So I should have gotten them. (laughs) And clocks did just strike triple zero. So my long shot of Islanders sweep did not cash. They lost three to two. Um, Um, But but there we go. All right. You got me. So I still stay at 2.5 out of 11. Uh, And, again, for anybody who might have missed last week, I'm at 2.5 because PJ asked me an initial question that I thought was unfair off air. Got it right. Should have just ran with it. And then got the question he did ask me wrong. So we agreed on counting it as a half. PJ, my question for you. I think you should get it. We'll see. Um, There are, because the the bulk of this question is going to be so easy for you to get, I added, like, you should get the guys in the, I at least think you should in the first 20 seconds. Um, Jordan Spieth talked about wanting to get that grand slam. He's only missing the PGA. He could do it this weekend. Um, I want you to give me the five guys who do have a Grand Slam, all five of them, because I think it's easy. The five guys who have a Grand Slam, plus one more guy besides Jordan Spieth, who is one away. Uh, Let me get your timer set. Understand the question?
1: I do. All
0: right. The five guys who have the Grand Slam, one non-Jordan Spieth guy who – is one away, because I just gave you Jordan Spieth, obviously, and your time starts now.
1: All right, well, Jack and Tiger are two. Of course. Um, yes. Rory is missing one of them. He's missing the Masters. There you go. Um, so three more
0: components to go three guys who have the Grand Slam.
1: You know, it's funny. They always talk about the Grand Slam, and I've just never looked up who the five guys are. I got to assume, though, that either Arnold Palmer or Gary Player has done it. Um, Arnold Palmer.
0: Arnold Palmer is a strike. He did he not. Is not.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know if he had uh, Ben Hogan.
0: Ben Hogan is a yes. Okay. Sam Snead. He is not two strikes, two strikes. Okay.
1: Um, let's see. Byron Nelson was a pretty good player. Uh, maybe it is Gary player. Nick Faldo only won the masters in the open. We got Come 40 on,
2: seconds Boston. to
1: go. Yeah. I just, said. Uh, Let's go, Byron Nelson.
0: No, three strikes. Was it Gary Player? Gary Player was the fourth. Okay. I didn't think you'd get the fifth though. Gene Sarazen going way back. That is that. See, I I really thought that you were gonna in like ten seconds run through Hogan, Player, Jack, and Tiger. And um, but I I thought again Sarazen was the one that I was hanging my hat on not getting. So,
1: well, play Player, yeah. I just I didn't know if he had all four. I didn't know if it was him or Palmer or somebody else. Sarazen, I'd forgotten about. That's. That's good. It's just one of those things you always hear about the Grand Slam, but I've never looked up who the guys are. So that was
0: good. Well done. PJ. you're three for 11. I'm (laughs) 2.5 for 11. Yes. We said, though, look, each other tough questions here. We're not making this, uh, you know, just just amateur hour where we're lobbing each other softballs. And like we said last week, 300 hitters make the Hall of Fame. A 250 hitter for me. You're borderline. If you have the hall, if you have the homers, you'll get there. Sure. Um, so I just got to make sure I get the homers and the ribbies. But uh, but we'll, we'll come back. We gotta we gotta start turning the ship around. I don't want that to be giving each other easier questions, but we gotta start turning the ship around.
1: We do. We need to we need to start hitting on some more. Thanks to our guest Bob Lobel. Great talking to him. Already 11 episodes through. We got sports back. Next time we see each other, we'll have a major champion in golf. So. A lot of good stuff going on. We'll have Joe. The first
0: round, uh, the actual first round for the NHL, just about set. Yeah, we're we'll looking towards that draft lottery with probably twenty-five percent chance for the original six teams that are in it, and zero for everybody else. There and the go. NBA will have their stuff just about locked up. We're we're there, PJ. We made it. It was ten long we weeks, did. but we are in the clear. Hopefully, yes, we are. Hopefully, unless unless teams from St. Louis want to keep going to casinos and teams from Miami want to you know, have a team meeting to decide whether or not they should play baseball. Right. Uh, as well, long as we avoid that stuff, we'll be in the clear.
1: That's right. Well, this was a lot of fun as always, Joe. Look forward to doing it next week for episode 12. See you